Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Citizens in the house! If you are here, if you are here, Every, I need you, I need everybody, hand up, hand up, one hand up, preferably the right hand, right hand. I need you all to do this right here. Ready? Three, two, one, boom. We got a little thing. Now we're going we're gonna to put our left hand here, left hand on the bicep, right? And we're going to do a little, a little pushing action. We're going to go right here. Do you feel it? You feel that? All right. If you do not feel it, let's just call it, you're a goner, all right? But if you do feel it, I want you to say, yeah. yeah. Do you know, uh, how many people watching football right now? Anybody track in the playoffs? Anybody aware of who the number one seed in the NFC is? Just saying. Um, so you know how you get like a, uh, like a bye week? You know how you get a bye week if you're like the first seed or the second seed? And you're supposed to like get rested? And then you come back from the bye week and like people are nervous. They're like, dude, he's had like a week off. He's going to be like rusty, you know? Dude, I've had a two-week bye week. I haven't spoken to you guys in like, since like three weeks ago. And so I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. You, got, you guys have had a bye week apparently. You're like, oh my gosh, Sam's losing it. I should have just said, I'm excited to see you guys. Hi, citizens. No questions, no questions, all right? You're like, how did you spend your off week, Sam? The reporters will come after the gathering. All right, I'm gonna like ice my arm, ice my throat afterwards. Or I'm like, yeah, so it was just rough out there, man. I don't know, like they weren't picking up my jokes. They fell flat. I didn't feel like I was quick on my feet. So um, tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> all right, case and boy, man. You guys have a good Christmas? Did you guys have a good New Year's? How many of you made it till midnight? Liars, you did not make it to midnight. You made it to midnight for real? Okay. Um, so I, I heard this. This is totally random, but it's funny. So um, I think it was actually Jared. Jared was telling me this, and I'm going to actually do it with my kids. So, you're, you know, every kid is like, dude, daddy, I want to stay up till midnight because that's what everybody does, you know? And it's like, dude, you're like four. You're a snot-nosed kid. You don't deserve to stay up till midnight. So here's what you're going to do, right? This is what I'm going to do you find YouTube videos of previous year's balls dropping. <laughs> and so at like nine o'clock at night, you're like, all right, everybody, come on, family, right? And you put it on, it's like 10, nine, eight. And you're like, yeah! And like the ball drops and your kid is like, I sit up till midnight and then you put him to bed and you're like, finally, now that that's over. You don't find it funny because many of you just realize that's what your parents did to you this weekend. <laughs> you're like, I stood up till midnight. No, you didn't. So anyway, anybody go to the mall? This past holiday season? Yeah. I, you went two days in a row? Seven days in a row. That's sad. Don't admit that in public. Thank you. Um, dude, I went to the mall this holiday season, and um, I realized something. Nobody goes to the mall anymore, except for the holiday season. Do you guys, like, is that a thing? Do high schoolers say, bro, what are you doing tonight? It's Friday. Let's go to the food court. Anyone? Yeah. Malls are, like, going extinct, right? But I went to the mall. I went to the mall and I went past this store. How many of you know what store this is? 
Incorrect. It is not the shaving cream shop. Ladies, what store is this? <laughs> I want us to all go to the mall right now. I need everybody to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. We're going to go to the mall. I want you to close your eyes. You're walking through the mall. Hey, close your eyes. You're walking through the mall. You picture it, right? You walk into Bath and Body Works, and what do you see? Shh, to yourself, just visualize it. What do you see? Shh. Visualize with your minds, not your mouths, right? You, what do you see? What music is playing? What are, what are people doing in the store, right? What's the vibe? More importantly, shh, eyes closed. More importantly, what do you smell? What do you smell in Bath and Body Works? Open your eyes. Ladies walk into Bath and Body Works and they're like, and now their eyes start tearing because they're like, oh my gosh, it's just like beautiful, right? I want all of it. It's like, you can't have all of those scents. It's illegal, you know? And so like ladies walk into Bath and Body Works and their eyes, they're just crying, right? Guys walk into Bath and Body Works and they're crying for a different reason, right? They're like, <coughs> I can't breathe, right? Any dudes, you walk in there and you're like, three seconds later, you're like, what is happening to my nose? Right? All the dudes are like, yeah, no, you didn't, dude. You're like 14, right? But you get it. And so what I want to talk to you today it's not about Bath and Body Works, but it's the idea that every place that you go to has a scent, okay? I'm not talking about like literal, like a sniff. I'm not talking about like, yeah, yeah, the boys' locker room has a, an extreme scent. No, no, no. I'm saying like every place you go to, it's like, there's like just a way about it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a way that that, that that place or that environment, there's a way that they like, they think. There's a way that they talk. There's a certain way that, that they treat people that make you go, oh, that's, that's who they are. Give you an example, right? The best example I can think of is Apple, okay? I went to New York City, Fifth Avenue. This is the first time I've ever been to an Apple store and this is what it looks like. It's a giant glass box with their logo seemingly floating. Of course they would. It's apple. You get, you get it? It's like you smell that and you go, that's so apple, right? Even if the logo wasn't there, you'd just get it, right? I'll give you another example. Another example. I, um, I was super excited. You can't see it super well, but I was super excited when they announced the brand new MacBook Pro came out, right? And I'm like, yes, I've had like an early 2011. I'm gonna get a brand new 2017 MacBook and I get it and there's no ports on it. And you look at the computer and you go, of course they would. They're Apple, right? It gets better. They released the computer that had no ports. They said, let's take it one step further. Let's release a phone with no buttons. I'm waiting for them to release the iPhone 11 and like it doesn't even have side buttons. There's no ports. There's no, it's like only like voice activated. You're like, how do I, there's literally, it's a brick with a screen. You talk to it. You're like, wake up. And it's like, yes, sizzle, right? That's what my phone calls me, sorry. I shouldn't have admitted that on camera. But every place that you go to, it has a scent, right? It has, it has like, you smell it and you go, yeah, that's Apple. That makes sense. That's so them, right? And so the question I want to ask you tonight when, when, you're, when you're talking about that, when, you, when you're looking at the scent, when you're going, oh, I, what is it about them? What you are talking about is their ethos. Everybody say ethos. ethos. 
Webster defines ethos as this, the characteristic spirit of a culture or community. The vibe, the things that are distinct about them, the things that make you walk into Walmart, right? And the old ladies are following you because you look suspicious and you're under 18 and you go, of course they would, it's Walmart, right? That characteristic spirit, hypothetically speaking, Ethan, that characteristic spirit is their ethos. The way that I define it is this, the distinct smell and feel of a place. Everybody go, right? You walk into a place, you walk into a place and you're like, I just, I just look around, I just, ethos. So the question for you tonight is this, what does that place smell like? What do we as citizens, when you come into the vibe, whether it was your first time or your 40th time or your millionth time, what do we smell like, students? What is the community of citizens? What are the distinct characteristics of this place that when you see it, you go, of course they would. They're citizens. Psh, oh, that is so Sam. Oh, that is so awesome. Oh, that is so Avery. Of course they would. It's their ethos. I thought about this recently. I was looking through some pictures of citizens and I go, what would, like, just look with me. What would a brand new person think about these pictures? I'm just curious. Look at it with me, right? You walk in and you see, oh, <laughs> right? People are laughing in a, in a thing. That's everything, aw, right? That is the most calm you will ever see Robbie Campbell right there. All the other pictures, he was actually a blur in the photo. So a new person walks in and they go, they, they take a, they look at that picture and they go like this, they go, Okay. Okay. You walk in and you see this middle schooler on the shoulders of a high schooler punching a yellow ball through the sky. What? What is that about? What? That? Huh. Okay. <laughs> what would a new person walk in and it's like this tiny little boy attacked this big man and followed him all the way down the hallway? This is like the end of the picture. What kind of place does this, right? What kind of place is citizens that you walk in, you see all of these different images? What is their ethos? What does it smell like? That is what we're talking about tonight, friends. We are talking about their ethos. Look at that. What, is, what place is that, huh? There's middle schoolers, there's high schoolers, there's parents in there. What? The writing note. What is that? Do you smell it? Do you smell it? Do you smell citizens? Like, yeah, I don't smell it. No, no, no. Do you get what I'm saying? If you, if you get it, say yes. yes. What kind of place is citizens? What is the ethos of citizens? And so for the next few moments, what I want to do is this. I want you guys to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.16, and we are going to take our first sniff of the citizens' ethos. Make sense? What we're going to do here for a few moments, we're going to look at what we smell like, and over the next several weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be intentional about it. Because here's the cool thing about ethos. You're not stuck with it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like your BO. Imagine if you could do nothing about your BO, right? You're like, mom, I just, I don't want to go back to school. Why? Well, because all my friends told me I stink. And, I, and it's like, well, did you put on deodorant? No, what's the point? I stink. <laughs> all the middle schoolers are like, just made the connection. <laughs> the thing about ethos is that you can do something about it. It's not static. 
It's not dictated to you. We can decide what should our ethos be? What should we smell like? And now let's pursue it. And so tonight we're gonna take our first sniff as we look at 2 Timothy 3.16. So I'm gonna invite you guys to stand with me as we read God's word. Go ahead, stand up. We stand for a lot of things that we respect, right? We stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, too soon, maybe not. Um, <laughs> most people stand, you know, for those things. And we stand when the bride comes down the aisle and everybody's head turns. And we're also gonna stand for God's word. So here we go. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have a community of students here, God, who are coming together, who are spending their Wednesday nights paying attention to you. Lord, I pray that you would reward their, uh, their endeavor tonight, award their attention spans, speak to their hearts, Lord, cut through uh, to their souls, Lord, so that they would leave here today different than when they came in. And then, Lord, don't only change them as individuals, but change this community, I pray. Create an ethos here, Lord, that is attractive, one that matches the beauty of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, you may be seated. We smell like these two verses, okay? If you come to Citizens, maybe you're new here. Hi, I see a lot of new people in the back. Hey, what's up? We'll meet, we'll talk. Yeah, it'll be nice to meet you, right? You come in here and all these kind of things and it's like, there's going to be something that you experience here, in particular, the next several moments that you go, what is it about that group? What, what is it? Why do they do that? Why is that so characteristic of them? What you're smelling? What you're picking up on are these two verses. So let's look at it again. Here we go. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out. Everybody say breathed out. All scripture is breathed out by God. What this means is that the scriptures are divine communication. If you have a Bible here, let me see it. <clears throat> Show me. Show me your Bible. <laughs> All the iPhones. Down! It's not a Bible, right? Show me your Bible. Do you know what this is? Do you know what 2 Timothy 3.16 says this is? It says it's divine communication. It's, it's describing it as God breathed. God breathed. Guys, this is profound, all right? Point of order. Look at this. The Bible is not the brainchild of men. When I was in high school, I had a lot of friends that pictured this as the Bible. The Bible is simply the creation of some religious organization, right? Every business has a handbook. Every corporation has a, has a guide. So Christianity, a bunch of old white dudes from Europe back in the day, which is incorrect because it wasn't European yet, but we won't go there. They got together in a room and they like created a religion, right? And some people are a little bit cynical. They go, they did it to control you, right? Dude, stick it to the man. Stick it to the religious man, right? They're just trying to control me or they're trying to manipulate me or they're trying to take advantage of me. The Bible is not the result of a religious organization. It's not the masterpiece of some really artsy people. It's not the result of a bunch of dudes that got together and like wrote a science fiction novel. 
It says that the Bible, first and foremost, is the written revelation, the written communication of God's will and his mind, all right? The Bible is his divine communication. It says it's God-breathed. You ever heard the phrase, don't waste your breath, right? You're like, but Mrs. Mrs. Agostino, you don't understand. Last night, my dog, he did this. Don't waste your breath. You didn't do your homework, right? Don't waste your breath. The test is today. Don't waste your breath. We use breath there as a metaphor for what? Communicating. Speak. Don't even bother saying that. Don't bother communicating. Don't waste your breath. That's exactly what the Bible's doing here. When it says breathing, it's saying the breath, this is the result of God breathing. He's speaking. He's communicating. And so friends, the way that the Bible was written, it began with God having something to say. Okay? God had something to say on his mind, on his heart. And so he moved, Taylor, he moved a biblical author to write something, okay? In his own personality. Taylor, are you a funny guy? He likes to think so. So he's gonna have some of the like to think so humor in his writing, right? How many, any artist here? Right, so he moved, of course, she has like a whole Instagram of just of her artwork. It's like, wow, shh, that's a cool, right? He moves the biblical authors to write and their own personality comes through. So you see Paul writing, right? And Paul, he's like, he gets angry at the heretics who are like, you have to be circumcised to be a Christian, you know? And he's like, are you from Ireland? No, right? But Paul, he's like, circumcised, circumcised, circumcised. You should just cut the whole thing off, right? And all his posse, they're like, oh, right? Paul's personality just came through there right? He moves David to write, and David is an artist, right? And so David, he like, David is the kind of guy who he'll like wake up for breakfast, and he's like, Cheerios or oatmeal? But the Cheerios are so round. They remind me of the circle of life. I mean, it's just like everything's a poem, right? And so guess what his writing is like? It's poetic, It's beautiful. It's inspiring. And so we see that God moves these biblical authors and he uses their personality, but the result, as they write, God breathes. As they write, God speaks. He communicates. And so the result, what we have from these writers is God's divine communication. This text are not man's ideas. It's God's ideas. The books are not man's ideas. They are God's communication to us. They have a divine origin. This, students, is what a personal God wanted to communicate. I remember when I was younger, I used to think that the Bible was like dictated. So I, I imagined like, you know, people like Paul and David going like, hey, I'm Paul, nice to meet you. I wanna, the Lord says that the Galatians must follow me. You ever think that? No, Sam, you're stupid. All right, sorry. But that like, we, we view this as some like robotic or magical. No, God moved people to write. And as they did, he breathed into it so that the result, students, is divine communication. What's your view of scripture? Is, like, honestly, what is your view of scripture? I wanna park here for a minute. 
Because especially if you've grown up in church for a long time, the book can become reduced to just a book that sits on the corner of your nightstand and many of you have like a giant ring on your Bible because you've been using it as a coaster, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, guilty. I called your mom, she told me, right? What's your view of scripture? Many people view scripture like this. They open it up and they're in charge, right? Oh, I like the Bible, Sam. Don't get me wrong. I like the Bible, but I'm in charge, which means I'll use it when it's convenient for me. Oh, I don't like that one. I mean, I like the Bible, but you know what? This part really just, oh, that one just makes me really uncomfortable here. So I'm gonna cut that one out. And um, I like that one. I'm in charge. I'm the master. And so I lay open the Bible because I want to be able to use it. And you know what? I love this promise. This promise is so nice, Olivia. So I'll cut that one out. And I put that on my, on my mirror right there. And I, and I just, whatever. But the rest of it, I don't, I don't know. Isaac, don't you read your Bible? Oh, of course. I have my app that spits out one verse a day. You know what I mean? And like that verse is nice, but the rest of the context is just, oh, I don't like that. So you take that part. Many people approach their Bible like this. I'm in charge. I'm the master. But students, this is not the way to treat divine communication. If this is divine communication, I think that we should approach it a lot more like this. How many people know what I'm making right now? Now look what happens. When the, tea, when the water approaches the tea bag, the water does not master the tea bag. The water does not come and say, I'm going to make you more like water. I'm in charge here, so listen. No, no, no. The water comes and says, just change me. And as the tea steeps in the water, you see the way that it just, it says, change me. Students, you don't master the Bible. The Bible masters you. You don't come to the scriptures trying to change it and twist it and make it fit your context and your, and your convenience. No, you come and you say, this is God's divine communication. I'm listening. I don't open the Bible as much as the Bible opens me. And what happens, students, as I read the Bible, it's as if it opens me up and it makes me exposed. It exposes me, right? I can, I can, I can like trick my friends to thinking that I'm something that I'm not, you know? I can't trick my spouse, so that doesn't count. But I can trick like people who, whoa, it's a pastor in the church. I can trick a lot of people. But when I come and I'm reading the Bible and I'm spending time with the Lord, there's no hiding, right? There's no confusing who's in charge. The Lord exposes me. And so as we approach the scriptures, we're not like, oh yeah. <laughs> we come, Lord, change me. No pretense, no trying to believe who I'm not. This is divine communication. So Lord, would you communicate with me? Lord, would you, I'm not trying to use it. I'm not trying to stand on the word. I'm under the word. And that's why here at Citizens, we, I, don't, <laughs> I don't stand up from the pulpit and go, this is what I don't do. All right, friends, let me read a verse to you. Anyway, let me tell you what I think, right? If you ever walk into a place where the dude like closes the Bible and just starts giving his opinions or his politics, get out. Because how is he using the Bible? You know what? That reminds me, this verse reminds me of my political candidate. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, yeah. 
What? Divine communication is not to be approached as we master it. Instead, it is to master us. What's your view of scripture, friends? Is it breathed out by God? You smell that? That's what citizens is about. We believe, students, that this is divine communication. Have you ever met someone who was like a new convert to Christ? Anyone? Like you have friends or maybe you met somebody in church. You ever notice how much they love their Bible? Right? You ever meet somebody who recently got baptized and they're like, this is, what do you got? There's my Bible, right? I love my Bible. Somebody's like, achoo. And you're like, God bless you. Second Timothy 3 set, right? What's going on there? How many of you were once like that, right? We're laughing of like, oh yeah, my friend who's a new Christian. But like, I was there. The first time that God opened the eyes of my heart to see the glory of Christ. Oh my, I would go to sleep next to my Bible. You know what I did? It was unbelievable. Like you guys are gonna think I'm crazy. You know what I did? I woke up 30 minutes earlier than I needed to get on the bus to read my Bible. Why do people do that? Because when we're new to it, we are very aware of the reality that this is divine communication. It is God personally wanting to communicate with his people, with his children. And so what do we say? Lord, I'm listening. And the longer that you guys go in your life, the longer that you go in Christianity, the more familiar you are with the Bible, you need to constantly remind yourself you need to have friends and a community that can remind you of, hey, dude, like, this is still God-breathed. Friends, I can ask you point blank, dude, what's your view of scripture? I love when students tell me, you know, Sam, I'm not much of a reader, and so I don't really know how that jive. If you're not much of a reader, how do you get down with your Bible? God did not give his people over thousands of years audiobooks, you know? I'm not saying don't do an audiobook. Do it if it works. It's the Bible. But I'm saying like his mode of communication was writing to us. And so we should make it a point of order in our life to listen, to read, to intake scripture, sermons, Bible studies, whatever it is. You don't need to read Monte Cristo or Pride and Prejudice, you know, 600 and 800 pages respectively, though those are great books. But the Bible, it's more than a book. It's more than literature, okay? It's divine communication. Make sense? Let's keep going, all right? If it's divine communication, why do we need to know this? Well, students, you're gonna be in the academy one day and you're gonna need to know some theological trivia. So everybody stay with me. God breathed. No, right? God doesn't give us, Paul doesn't give us this as some theological trivia. This is huge. There are some implications. If this is really what I just said it is, if this is really God breathed, like he just said it is, there are some implications that we need to explore, okay? And we look at those here. Check it out. He spells it out here in, uh, in the second half of verse 16. Take a look. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, everybody say profitable, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, the scriptures have a divine origin and that, my friends, makes it extremely valuable. Do you have anything that's valuable? What do you guys have that's valuable? Throw it out there. You got that Roly, that Folex, okay. Your phone, yep. 
I was gonna get that iPhone X. And they were like, and they're like, dude, you'll be really cool if you get the iPhone X. It's like a thousand dollars. And I'm like, you're not cool. Peace, right? Rocking my six. How many sixes in the room? Let's go, boy, right? iPhone six. Like, you're not cool if you don't have an iPhone six. I'm like, you're not rich if you don't have that, right? What's valuable to you? Your iPhone eight. Oh, now you're just one up in me. Thank you very much. What else? Do you have anything that's valuable? Your cat. It's like all seven of my cats are valuable, right? Okay, man, dude, I had Chinese food last night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, some cat fried rice. What else? Anything that's valuable? I'm sorry, I don't like cats. What? All right, I think we're missing the pointer. Stuffed animal octopus. Is it up there? No, right? Something that's valuable, like, like I lock my valuables up, Okay. Like things that are valuable, things that are of great worth, things that I go, I don't, I don't just want people to walk away with it. So I put things like, you know, my passports in a file cabinet in my house, under my bed to the left. <laughs> yeah, right? My combination code is 34725, 316. Things that are valuable to us, we treasure them because of what do they mean? Because of what they mean. So if the Bible is saying that it's, it's profitable here, it's valuable, why is it valuable? And so Paul gives us four ways that it's valuable. Check it out. The first one he says is for teaching, okay? How many of you are Christians? How many of you know a Christian? You're like, I know myself, good. <laughs> do you really know yourself though? <laughs> like I don't, because I'm 17 and I'm in existential crisis, okay? Sorry, right? Christianity is not about just like, dude, just jump in and like, feel it. Christianity is not about just like, just come to church a few times a year and like listen to the music and just be baptized in the emotions. Christianity is not about like pressing a button. You know, like I remember, this is just really immature of me, but I was like an elementary school kid. And um, we went through this phase in elementary school of like, you'd write out notes and it's like, do you like me? Press yes or no. Anybody? Like you draw the little circle buttons. You're like, if you weren't born in 1990, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. I guess you guys have iPhones now. So now it's like message form. You're like, you're doing like uh, Instagram stories. Vote, do you like me or not? You're like 800 people are viewing your story. Who's voting? So we did these little paper things and you'd pass them around class and it's like, press the button, you know? And I remember being in church as a young kid thinking, that's kind of what it's like. Because at the end of the sermon, the pastor would always go, all right, so who wants in? And I always felt like that was so funny of like, what happens if I press the button, you know? Being a Christian is not simply just going, yeah, just, all right, I'm in. I just opt in. No, part of Christianity is teaching. A major part of being a follower of God is teaching There are things that God wants you to know. And so he tells people who do know, because they've been taught, because they've been taught, because they've been, he tells people to teach. And so there are certain things that God wants you to know about himself. He wants you to know that he was the creator. And in the beginning, he created everything. When was he created? No, no, he wasn't. Because God just is, and he always has been. He wants you to know some things about yourself, you know? He wants you to know that he created you to live in fellowship with him. He created you to be a child of God, but he also wants you to know that you've fallen, that you've rebelled against God. But Sam, I'm pretty good at home. You do not deserve God's love and affection. 
But he also wants you to know that he's planned on redeeming you, that he's planned on saving you because he sent his son, Jesus Christ. There are certain things that God wants you to know, certain truths, and friends, they are straight. And the way that we learn these truths are through scripture. So the Bible is profitable for teaching, okay? But how many of you know that just because you're taught where to walk doesn't mean you always stay in it, right? There's a difference between being taught truth and walking in truth. How many of you know that even when you know truth, sometimes you find yourself over here, right? The Bible is also profitable for that. It says that the Bible is profitable for reproof. The Bible points out, it calls you out when you are over here. The Bible calls you out when, it's when your life is not conforming to truth. It rebukes us. It convicts us of our sin. It is valuable because in its divine origin, it shows us where we're standing. So the Bible, it's valuable for teaching, but it's also valuable for reproof. You've ever been called out before? I see. How many of you have been called out before, right? You know what it feels like when you've been called out? That's what it feels like, right? And in that moment, yo, you are so tight, right? How many of you ever walked away from a conversation fuming like, oh, she did not just help me. That was a lie, right? I cannot believe he did it's the audacity, right? And then you wake up and then you go like, dude, and then you act like you're hurting them because you're going to bed at night and you're like, you got those hot tears. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody just boiled, and you're like, <sighs> you just have that ugly cry on, you know? Show her who's wrong. And then something amazing happens. You wake up in the morning, and what do you realize? Ah, she was kind of right. Ah, he, he was kind of speaking truth there. And you know what? As I think about it, to be honest, I love him. Yo, he, think about how much he cares for me. He told me that. Come, come here, bro. I love you, man, right? It's like, you get the hot tears again. You know, you're just crying. It's like, We've lived long enough to know that people who love us and care for us, they call us out. Friends, the Bible is valuable because it reproves us, okay? It reproves us. But look why else it's valuable here. Number three, the scripture has value for correction. You need to get excited about this. Unless you're perfect, you need to be excited about this because the Bible doesn't simply point out you're standing in the wrong spot. The Bible doesn't simply call you out and tell you you're wrong. Like a good teacher, it corrects you and shows you the way back. I would not be a very good teacher if you came into my office and all I did was tell you what you're doing wrong. Well, for starters, here's 15 things that you're doing wrong. No, let's take one of those and let me correct you. Let me show you how to correct your course. The Bible is profitable for correction how not to live, but then also how to live. And then finally, continuing that idea, the scripture has value for training in righteousness. As Christians, we have received the righteousness of Christ, okay? In God's sight, he accepts me and treats me as if I'm Christ, because I'm in Christ. But his word also trains me to live out that righteousness. So it corrects me and then it brings me along. It's training us in righteousness so that hopefully one year from now, right? New Year's Eve, right? Or, or New Year's celebration, Happy New Year's. Hopefully one year from now, when you're celebrating and you're bringing in 2019, hopefully you're a little bit different than you are now. 
And everybody said, amen, right? Hopefully right now, I'm looking at a group of students that are different than they were a year ago. Do you want that? I remember I was, um, I came home from college and I was at a New Year's Eve service and my former youth pastor, she came up to me and she just laid her hands on me and she started praying for me and she prayed a prayer that I've never forgotten. She said, Lord, I pray that one year from now he would be unrecognizable. And that was like, oh, I loved that. You know how that happens? Yeah, I wanna grow, Sam. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you're gonna what? <laughs> what plan can you possibly come up with to grow and to change it? Students, it comes through the word of God. It is valuable. It is profitable because it actually will train you in righteousness. It will keep you in line in, with the truth. It will make you more and more like Christ. Do we see the value here yet? Do, do you see why the Bible is valuable? The Bible, it has these four things. It is teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness. And so God's primary aim in these two verses is to remind you students of the importance of the word of God. He's looking at Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, man of God, citizens, children of God, you have been chosen and called to do the hardest thing that any human being can possibly be called to do. Do you understand that? You have been chosen to do the hardest thing humanly possible to follow Jesus. But I have good news for you. God has given us something to help us with that. He's given us his word. Why? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. To be complete is to, to be fit for a task, to be competent, to be qualified. To be equipped means that you have what you need to succeed. Put that on like a slogan in the library, right? Do you have what you need to succeed? So read, I plead. Do heed the words if you need to succeed, right? In other words, because of God's word, you have everything you need to be prepared. It's valuable, students, because you have what you need to be prepared. The Lord has given the word of God to help, the children, to help prepare the children of God. The Lord has given the word of God to prepare the children of God. Are you here tonight and you want to live for Jesus? Think about it. Think about it. Just rhetorical. Like you honestly want to live for Jesus? with all of the temptations within you and all of the difficulties without you and all of the drama going on in your household, in your school, you really think you stand a chance to live for Jesus? Honestly? Do you really think that you have what it takes to stop following the addictions and the patterns that have plagued your family tree for a generation? Do you really want to live the way that, it was meant, that life was meant to be lived? then friends, if this is you, then the Bible is extremely valuable. The Bible is extremely valuable for you. This is God's gracious gift because he gives the word of God to prepare the children of God. This morning, I, um, my father-in-law is in town 
and uh, he's watching Micah, right? So he's on Micah duty. So I wake up and I'm just like, dude, I don't have to watch Micah this morning. I don't have to get him ready. I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna get to the office early. Woo, I'm gonna, you're like, why would you wanna go up early, right? You'll understand one day, but I was just, I was ready. I was gonna get out of the house. I was gonna go grab a bagel and I was gonna roll into my office, do the little, the little on my windows, let the sunlight come in at a 45 degree angle and open up my Bible and just be like, That didn't happen. You know why it didn't happen? Because I got out of the shower and I find my wallet sitting on my bed, empty. What? Every single card, all of the cash, all of the receipts, my license, even the tile that helps me locate the wallet. God! I'm like beeping the tile and it's just like on the corner. I'm like, what? Where is everything? My son had gotten in and taken everything out. And so literally for 15 minutes, I'm delayed because I can't find the things in my wallet. I'm like, I'm like it's like, <laughs> afterwards, I was like, I kind of treated my son like a dog because I'm like putting the wallet in his face. I'm like, find, boy, find, right? He's like, <laughs> like, what is he, a hound dog, you know? But I'm like, Micah, where's the wallet? And he's like, cars. I'm like, no, no, where's the wallet? I want a bath. Where's the wallet? Micah. It's like literally, and he wouldn't help me. Usually, usually like, Mike, I need your help. And he goes, Daddy, I see it downstairs, Daddy. I'll get it. You stay. And he'll go and get it. I'm like, Michael, where's Daddy's cards? Where's the red card? The blue card? Bathtub. It's nothing a bathtub. I find it like tucked into like his little school bus. It's like a school bus in my closet under my clothes. Apparently the cards wants to go for a drive. So he like opens the school bus, puts them in, closes it, buries the school bus. <laughs> I'm ready to go. All right, I'm ready. This is a true story. I'm ready to go now, okay? I'm gonna go downstairs. I gave my, my father in law the car keys to the other car. I just need my car now. Where are my car keys? No problem. I have a tile on my car keys, right? Where's my phone? I open up my tile app. Click the tile app. Wallet? Check. Phone. Tile needs to be replaced. Just tell me where my keys are. Doesn't work. The tile, I didn't even know you had to replace the tile. I just got it for last Christmas. It's Christmas now. I spent another 20 minutes looking everywhere for my keys. I'm like literally unmaking every bed under the thing. Guess where it was the whole time? It was hidden on the key rack, but behind a flower pot. <laughs> 50 minutes late, I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm like flared up. Okay, I'm being honest with you, right? I'm being super honest. Transparent moment, okay? Citizen smells like transparency, okay? And I'm driving in the car, and I'm like just straight up angry. I'm mad. And then I get angry that I'm angry. And I'm like, why, why am I angry right now? I don't like, and so I start getting worked up here, right? I'm like, I was gonna put on music. I'm not, I'm not putting on music. I'm just, and I'm just like, I'm talking, I'm like, God, like, I, I'm angry and I don't even like myself right now, Lord. What is wrong with me? And I hear this, like, just a whisper, right? The Lord, my mom, just, I haven't read my Bible this week. I'm driving to work to preach a sermon on reading Bibles. <laughs> I haven't read my Bible this week. Lord, why am I so easily angry? I love my son, right? 
What's today, Wednesday? Yeah, I love him today. What's wrong with me? I'm getting mad over a wallet. It's just a wallet. What's going on? Why am I not me? Why am I so angry? Lord, I don't like this. And it hit me. I haven't read my Bible this week. I haven't, I haven't done this this week. I'm being honest with you students, right? I've been so busy this week. I've been on the run so much this week that I haven't had time to just steep my heart and my mind in the scriptures. And so it was like I had, my mind and my heart were like just the clear water from a few moments ago. And I go, man, what's wrong with me? What's different? Oh yeah, I need a steep. And in that moment, you know what I felt about my Bible? You know how I felt about my Bible? I was in the car and I'm driving and like the most genuine prayer, I go, Lord, I want my Bible. In that moment, I didn't feel like, oh, I need to read my Bible. Sam, you feel like that? Don't judge me, all right? Mr. Two Shoes over there, don't judge. I feel like that sometimes. Sometimes I go, just by mere duty and discipline, I go, oh, I need to read my Bible. But there's times like this morning where I'm like, I need my Bible. I need God's gracious gift to me. I need God to teach me his valuable truths. I need, I, for profit, I need the valuable scriptures. And I come in and you know what I did? Because I'm the pastor and so I know all the answers. No, I went to my friend Courtney. I said, Courtney, can you print me off the Bible reading plan? It's the third of the year. I literally haven't read my Bible all year. You'll get that later. Courtney, am I telling the truth, right? She prints me off a Bible reading plan. I needed help. I was just, my mind is so, I don't, I don't, just give me a plan. Just give me wherever you, I'll just read that. I need it. Oh, I need it. No, no, I need it. Friends, God, the Lord has given the word of God to prepare the children of God. And so this is part of our ethos. This symbol, you'll see this around. We're gonna put this everywhere, Okay. And it's kind of cool because when you see it, it's cryptic enough where you go, ooh, I know what that means, right? It's like secret code, Bible. And that's what these are. These are all symbols. As over the next six weeks, as we look at our ethos, each of these symbols represents a different part of who we are, right? And so you'll see this all around. Notice this icon. But then the cool thing is, notice how there's no words here? Because when you invite your friends and you come to the academy on a Sunday and you see this branded on the wall, they're gonna go, what does that mean? Well, that one's maybe obvious, but what does that chair mean? What, what is that? Hand? What? What's the row? What is that? And it's a cool opportunity for you to be able to teach it, right? We don't have gang signs. We have circle signs, right? <laughs> this is who we are. This is who we are here at Citizens. We value, we prioritize, as we say, we prioritize biblical truth. This is our ethos. We prioritize biblical truth. And so the band, you guys can come up. We're going to sing, but here's what we're going to do. Um, I didn't put this on your chairs because I didn't want you to be like, I need to do this. No, no, no. If you, if you need to, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is not for you then maybe. But if you're here today and you are aware of your own need for the word of God. If you're, maybe, maybe you're standing like over here. You know what I mean, Anna? You see what I'm saying? Like, you know what God's truth is and you're standing over here and you go, man, I'm so aware in this moment of the ugliness of my heart. I need God's word because it will rebuke me and correct me and train me. If you need that, I'm gonna invite you tonight. You can come up here at some point, anytime during the music or, or whatever, after the gathering. 
Bible reading plan. Very simple. A Bible reading plan. It doesn't say, I love this, because it doesn't say, read these four chapters today and then these three chapters. It literally just has boxes and it says, by the end of the month, get those done. And so maybe you have a biology exam tomorrow and so that morning you're not reading your three chapters, you're studying. But the next day is Saturday. And so you read five chapters, whatever it is. But if you need just some form of guidance to go, Sam, I want to read my Bible. I'm a senior in high school. I've been talking about this every camp since I was in sixth grade. I've never had a good discipline of reading my Bible. Do this, but also know yourself and know that when you're left to yourself, February 1st is going to come and you're going to be like, what reading plan? Invite someone to do it with you. Shout out, my boy Skylar Goff here, okay? I'm not saying this to be like, he's awesome, right? Because he is, but I'm not doing that. Like, this, uh, this past week, December 31st, for the last day of the year, he got to read the very last passages of the Bible. And he walked through the entire Bible in 2017. Dude, you have that forever, right? For the rest of your life, 2017, you have that. You did that. But he did it with his brother. He did it with his dad. And every week they were checking in, how you doing? Oh, I'm falling behind. Hey, catch up. And they did it as a brotherhood. And so if that's you, if you're interested in that, come and grab one. But I really encourage you to invite somebody to do it with you, you know? Invite somebody to hold you accountable and do that so that we as a community can prioritize biblical truth. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that we can be exposed before you, Lord. That you lay open our hearts and our minds and God, there's no fear of rejection, Lord. There's, there's actually hope for reproof. There's hope for, for correction and for, for training, Lord. And so, God, I pray that citizens would be characterized by this particular aroma of a community that is so desperate for biblical truth. Lord, I pray that we would be a community that when new people come in, they go, man, they just spent like 35 minutes reading from that book. What, what is it about them? And, and we would be able to go, no, this is who we are. This is part of our ethos. We prioritize biblical truth because it is valuable. And so Lord, we pray, Father, that you would continue to create a hunger in us for your word because we know you'll satisfy it. Lord, for those here who have never read through the Bible, for those here who have never even read a full book or maybe not even the New Testament, let 2018 be a year of change for them. Because Lord, I know that as they steep their hearts and their minds in the word of God, I know they will be changed. So Lord, help us to do that, Father. Help us to do that, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, Lord, because you love us. We love you because you give us truth. We love you, Lord, because you have given us everything we need as your children to live life the way that you created it to be lived. Be glorified in our lives as we love your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.